Howdy. You're listening to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. Hope you enjoyed the talk. Our passage today. Uh, Our passage today is from 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for RUF, for this time that we get to share together, we get to rejoice in your name, and we get to hear a sermon from Austin. Uh, bless his words, speak through him, uh, and give us ears to listen, hearts to listen. Um, in your name we pray, amen. All right, y'all. Uh, y'all, welcome to RUF. Uh, my name is Austin McCann. I'm RUF campus minister here. Man, this is going to be distracting tonight. Um, golly, some really, really good costumes. Emperor's uh, New Groove, all that. Panda. <laughs> um, y'all, welcome to RUF. Uh, really, if this is your first time here, we're so glad you're here. We don't dress up every Wednesday night, so tonight's special. Uh, and so there will be winners declared at the end of RUF larger tonight. Okay, this makes it hard for the judges. Uh, but seriously, welcome to RUF. If this is your first time walking through the doors of All Face Chapel for RUF, like, really welcome. Like, we want this to be a place where you can come and investigate the truth claims of the Bible and bring your questions. Like, we're not ashamed about that. We're not afraid of that either. And we, we say this all the time, that, that you're never so good that you stand outside the need of God's grace. While at the same time, you're never so bad that you stand outside the reach of His grace. We actually really believe that. We believe that's what the Bible teaches. And we hope you experience that when you come to RUF. And so, if you've been with us, right, if you weren't with us last week, okay, we have been walking through, uh, in large group, a series on relationships. Looking at the Bible and seeing what God has to say about how we relate to Himself, about how we relate to one another, and about how we relate to this world. And so, uh, last week, okay, uh, we did, we're doing a series right now on dating, okay? This is, last week we did dating part one. Why is dating so difficult, okay? The dysfunction of dating. A topic that, that really does require a lot of nuance because it can be confusing. And so, I want to give a recap tonight for those of you who were not here last week. So, previously on RUF Dating, okay? Uh, we considered two points last week related to why dating is so difficult. Okay, because first, it lacks definition, and second, it crumbles under pressure that it was never meant to bear. Right? We examined last week how Scripture does clearly outline for us the definition of marriage, though, which is a covenant bond between a husband and a wife who are called to leave and cleave and become one flesh. In other words, what we concluded that marriage is permanent in nature. But dating is temporary in nature, right? And because dating is temporary in nature, it produces all kinds of fear and anxiety and insecurity in us. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing this week. Can't make any promises, though. Okay. But inevitably, okay, the temptation for us all, right, is in a temporary dating relationship, is to borrow from a very clear, permanent relationship of marriage, 
to make our relationships feel permanent, feel stable. Remember our camping analogy, right? If you set a wooden roof on a tent, it's going to crush it. Right? If, you, if you set a permanent structure on something that is temporary in nature, it will, it will crush it. And that's exactly what happens when we treat dating as if it's marriage. Right? So we consider three practical ways of how we do this, right? how we actually bleed our dating relationships into a mini-marriage. Right? We, we said, okay, we think we're dating now. I have a right to your time. We, we said no. Right? Neither of you have ownership over each other's time. Right? We, we think we're dating now, so I have a right to your body. Right? But the truth is you have no more rights to that person's body after you started dating them than you did before. Okay, We'll, we'll unpack that uh, when we talk about marriage and sex in a couple weeks. Okay, And lastly, we, we consider, like, we think we're dating now. I have a right to you exclusively. Part of the reason we're doing this two-part series is because I understand that it takes some nuance. Okay, So I actually want to repeat this point and unpack it a little bit more for you. Okay. Right, we think we're dating now, so I have a right to you exclusively. All right, this is going to launch us into the night. Okay, right, let me repeat and clarify this. Right, I brought up a very important point that in a dating relationship, you do not own your boyfriend or girlfriend. Okay, you do not belong to each other as a husband and wife belong to one another in marriage. Right, and to emphasize this point, we use the example of how in honesty and integrity, it is not sinning. For either of you to show interest or go out with another person while dating. Okay, let me be clear. It is sinful if you're doing this deceitfully and behind one another's back. That's manipulative, okay? That's what we call cheating because there is deceit and it is hidden, all right? I know that this was shocking for some of you last week. But two important qualifiers here, okay? First, using this example is not to conjure up in you or coerce you into thinking, ooh, now that I'm dating someone, I need to start dating, liking someone else. No. You both in a dating relationship have the absolute freedom to be interested in only each other. Okay, hear me say that. Right? And second, we also don't borrow this language of open relationship in the way that our culture uses that language, right? Which usually means, like, I can do whatever I want sexually with whomever I want, and my boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse is actually cool with that. No, that's really sinful and grotesque, okay? I also recognize that having the freedom to date other people while dating someone is not the norm, okay? But the reason we used that example last week is is because it is so crucial in driving home the very important principle that you do not own the person that you are dating or have the right over that person. In engagement, in marriage, that's different. Okay? Here was our conclusion, all right? The healthiest dating relationships are those that do their best to stay away from things that are only appropriate for marriage, right? Ownership, demand of exclusivity, and deep physical intimacy, okay? The healthiest dating relationships will be much closer to a friendship rather than a marriage. Okay, I did not say that that was easy. We didn't say that we did that perfectly. That's why last week's title was literally Why is Dating So Difficult, okay? However, it does not mean that it is hopeless, okay? Don't forget Chuck Bass and Jesus, all right? Right? Chuck says this. He says, next time you forget that you're Blair Wardrobe, right? Remember that I'm Chuck Bass and I love you, okay? Yes, Gossip Girl. Some of you were shocked that I, like, referenced that last week, okay? Because what launches us into enjoying the freedom of our dating relationships, right, is anchoring ourselves in the love of Jesus 
and what he promises us in 1 John 4.18, that there really is a perfect love that casts out fear. That Christ's love is not temporary or delicate in nature. His love will never leave you or forsake you. He promises that when you wake up in the morning, He'll always be there for you. A love that is so clearly defined for us in the life, death, and resurrection of His Son Jesus. Okay, And it's because of this love that launches us into the freedom of dating this evening. Right? If, if dating looks closer to friendship, okay, then what does that look like? Like, like, how do I date well? <laughs> right? Because like, like I said last week, I, I can't answer every question about dating tonight, but what we will do is look at some healthy principles that we can apply to our dating relationships, okay? A little bit more boots on the ground. Two caveats, right? You're looking at someone who has not dated perfectly, right? I've made plenty of mistakes in my dating relationships. Secondly, nowhere in the Bible does it talk about dating, Okay? There is nowhere in Scripture that says, Thus saith the Lord, this is how you did it. Okay? So tonight, you've heard this passage before that, that Carl read for us. You've heard it at weddings. Sometimes, a lot of the times, taken out of context, right? To, to only apply to romantic love or marriage or to dating. But that's not entirely true. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4-7 through 7, is not just about romantic love. It is about redemptive love. Okay? It's not about dating. It's rather a description of how God calls all of his people, all of us tonight, to love our neighbor as ourselves in all kinds of relationships. Friendships, employer-employee, family, the church, roommates, enemies, marriage. And yes, in wisdom, these, these are principles that can be applied to your dating relationship and how you treat your friend who you don't know who you, if you'll get married to them or not in the future. So I want to consider 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, and five healthy principles, okay, to apply to our dating relationships as we seek to care for those who we date. Okay, so if you're a note-taker, here you go, okay. There are five, but I like to be succinct, so we'll, we'll have a good pace here, okay. So first, we date patiently. Second, we date with kindness. Third, we date selflessly. Fourth, we date truthfully. And fifth, we, t- we date boldly, okay? So patiently, with kindness, selflessly, truthfully, and boldly, okay? First, we date patiently. The, th- the first thing that Paul says about love is that it is patient. That it, in other words, it's not in a rush. It waits, right? Th- think about God's love for his people all throughout Scripture, okay? Because there's this common refrain that characterizes the heart of God that displays his forbearance for his people. And over and over we hear all throughout the Old Testament, even bleeding into the New, that God is a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Right? This is the wonder of the gospel, that, that God's love is towards rebellious people. Right? It's actually not short-tempered. He, he doesn't leave his people but he pursues them, and his greatest display of that is at the cross. So how does patience apply to dating? All right, first hear me say this, okay? It would be tempting to think, huh, like Jesus was lovingly patient with me no matter what I've done. Therefore, I need to be patient with my boyfriend or girlfriend no matter what they do. Well, yes and no, okay? 
Right, to a certain degree, yes, we'll unpack this in a second. Your dating relationship will absolutely require forgiveness and grace, just like any other friendship. Right, but there is also wisdom in evaluating whether this person is a Christian, like, like, do they love Jesus? Do they care about me loving Jesus more? Right, don't take this idea of patience, meaning I'm going to exercise patience with, my, with the person that I'm dating no matter what they do. Right, well, no, if, I mean, if your boyfriend or girlfriend is a murderer or, or a Texas fan, like, there's probably some red flags, okay? Just kidding, they can be a murderer, that's fine. Um, right. But the, the point is that dating, it involves discernment. Right? Observing someone's convictions, learning their values, are they annoying? Like allowing allowing loved ones around you, your family and friends, to like see you together. And patience can serve you well in this. And second is this, is that when you date, especially in college, okay, it's probably better to date with the brakes on rather than the, like the gas the gas pedal. Okay? It sounds like such a dad statement, right? Like like, it's probably better to date with the brakes on rather than the, the gas pedal, okay? Why, why do I say that? Well, hear me say this, okay? I think there's an, a ton of freedom here, okay? There is no perfect formula or timeline for dating. Everyone's circumstance in this room and situationship, okay, is totally different. But I know couples who've dated for a month and got married and have an amazing marriage, right? Like, yes and amen. You can absolutely have a very, very short dating relationship and a God-glorifying marriage at the same time. Okay, like if I could date, have dated Alex a year less, then I probably would have married her. Like, but, but for most of you, okay, not all of you tonight, because there are some of you here tonight who, who are married, which is awesome, and you're a college student. That's amazing. We love that, right? We really do. And if you're actually in a dating relationship and you have questions about that, you would be wise to go to people in here who are married in college and talk to them about that, okay? So uh, y'all are here. We love it. It's great. But if I were to go out on a limb, right, for most of you tonight, many of you probably won't get married until you both graduate. Right? Whether that's financial situation, jobs, etc., that's normally the pattern. Not always, but normally. Okay. And if that is you tonight, then incorporating patience in your daily relationship is something worth fighting for. Why? Well, don't forget the challenge of dating. Right? We so long for definition that we immediately want to borrow from a clearly defined relationship like marriage. And the quicker that we rush in and date impatiently, the quicker we are in danger of applying a lot of marital ex expectations to a relationship that just can't bear the weight of it. Don't forget Michael Scott's motto, desperate situations yield the quickest results. Okay. It, if we're not careful, like dating impatiently and in desperation can yield to some assumed marital obligations that your dating relationship just cannot bear. And so if you are here tonight and you're not dating someone, you need to hear this, that is okay. <laughs> there is tons of pressure on this campus that you have to find someone to marry before you graduate. But you need to hear, you have the absolute freedom to be patient and not rush into dating because of that external pressure, okay? Singleness is beautiful. It is a gift. Go back and listen to our singleness sermon, okay? Um, so that's important to say. But if you are actively dating and interested in someone's night, okay, dating patiently, it will protect you both physically. Dating patiently will give you freedom and resting in God's timing instead of trusting in one another's. 
Dating patiently will protect you from controlling and suffocating the other person. Remember Ron Weasley, right, in the the Half-Blood Blood Prince? When he's talking about Lavender, his girlfriend, he says, the more I hint that I want to finish it, the tighter she holds on. It's like going out with a giant squid. Right? Dating patiently gives you the the freedom to not be a giant squid. Like, you have the freedom to say, I don't know if I'm going to marry this person or not. So I can hold loosely to this and be patient. And this leads us to our next point. Treat this person with kindness. Okay? This leads us to our next point. We date with kindness. Paul says that love is patient, but love is also kind. What does he mean by that? One commentator said this, that kindness is active goodness to one another. Right? In other words, love is others-focused. Usually we, we think of love as normally self-focused. Like if you go watch The Golden Bachelor, like you're just going to get that, Okay? Is he my, I don't know if anybody's seen that. All right. But like, we usually think, like, this is just merely a feeling I have. But the Bible talks about love really as an action, not a feeling. And that action always involves kindness. It seeks others' good. So what does that mean for dating? Well, a good question to ask is this. What is the best good that you can seek for the person that you are dating? Really, like, what, what is the best good that you can seek for the person that you are dating. It's the exact same good that you should want out of any of your other friendships for them to know Jesus and become more like him. Really? (laughs) Remember back in our friendship sermon in John chapter 15 and verses 14 through 17? What was Jesus' goals for his disciples, his friends? Right? Well, he, he wants to see fruit in their lives. He wants that fruit to grow and mature. He wants them to become more like him. He wants them to be a free and holy people who have a relationship with his Heavenly Father. That's Jesus' goal for his disciples, for his friends. You see, exercising true kindness in your dating relationship is wanting what is best for the person that you date, which is exactly what Jesus wants for all of us, to know and become more like him. You see, Jesus is not something... If you are a Christian here tonight, I don't assume that everyone is, right? Jesus is not something you simply add to your life. If you are a Christian, He is your life. Therefore, it's worth asking, like, do you and your boyfriend or girlfriend share a common horizon in following Jesus and becoming more like Him? Right? Or is one of you what I call evangelizing, right? Evangelizing dating. Evangelizing the other, right? Or, or missionary dating. Just hoping one day that one of you will become to know Jesus. I've seen it done. I celebrate it when it happens. Yes and amen. Heaven rejoices when that happens. It's incredible. But is it wise to pursue someone whose foundation in life is totally different than yours? Paul says that it isn't. Later in his letter, he clearly says that that two should not be unequally yoked. Meaning if the purpose of marriage is a deep oneness, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and if it's instituted by God to grow us in becoming more like Him, to be an illustration of how Christ loves His church, how could we ever build that with two people that don't believe the same thing about God? Meaning, if if you are dating a non-Christian, okay, maybe exercising true kindness tonight looks like actually sharing with him or her, her that, that you cannot save them. 
And maybe the kindest thing for you to do is to step away and ask for them to respect that. You see, and this applies to all of us who are dating. Right? Do we care about the direction the person that we're dating is, is actually headed? Do we care about their growth? Exercising kindness may look like you encouraging them to actually spend more time with their friends than even you. Exercising kindness is actually willing to be honest with each other and trusted friends around you about your physical relationship. (laughs) Exercising kindness means sharing Jesus' desire for that person you're dating, which is to love him and become more like him. And if that is true, then that means that we date selflessly, which leads to our third point, okay? Paul calls it, Paul says here in verse 5 that love does not insist on its own way. Right? The NIV version says that love is not self-seeking. And for dating, I don't know, what does that mean? In his book, uh, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, quoting C.S. Lewis, Tim Keller says this, The thing we would remember from meeting a truly gospel-humble person is how much they seem to be totally interested in us. Because the, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. I love weddings. Okay, I love everything about a wedding. Um, if you get married, I, I would love just to show up at your wedding. I may crash your wedding. I don't know. But, right, weddings are great. And there's this moment that I think we can all agree that we just love. Right, the anticipation, the music comes on, and everyone stands, and we're waiting for the bride to appear at the end of the aisle. Right, when the bride, when the church doors swing open, or when she appears at the end of the aisle, like, why is she most beautiful in that moment? Like, yes, she is beautiful because her hair is pristine. She's beautiful because her makeup is, is perfect. She's beautiful because she's adorned in her wedding gown. But you want to know why she's most beautiful in that moment? It's because she's forgotten about herself. It's because she's lost in the loving gaze of her bridegroom. That's a small picture of a redemptive love. Right? And it makes that moment even sweeter when you know that that couple treated one another was so, so selflessly in their dating relationship. Right? Because we've all had this even kind of like negative experience, right? There, there are some of those couples out there that are just kind of challenging to be around because in group setting, settings, they're like always cuddling and it's really awkward or they're like talking to each other in their own language and you're like, I don't know how to interact with this. This is weird. But like, like, have you ever been around that couple that you just like love to be around because they're so secure that, that they don't have to be around each other like 24-7 and they're just really outward facing and selflessly serving and care, caring for others around them? Like you even sometimes forget that they're dating. Right, the, the danger is that our dating relationships, they will insist on their own way and quickly turn to selfishness when we turn desires into demands. Okay, the healthiest dating relationships act and think not in terms of demands and rights, but in terms of undeserved privileges. Like, like guys, no matter how long you date her, okay, you need to consider it a privilege that she wants to go out with you on Friday night. And she doesn't have to. Nor should she feel like she has to. And like girls, like consider it a privilege that he wants to spend time with you and is actually intentional about the things you love. Those things should be viewed not as demands or expectations or obligations, but as really undeserved gifts. 
that will actually bring health into the relationship. True story. Okay. Madhouse students, uh, he was a, he's now a pastor in, in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. He, he was the campus minister at uh, University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Um, Sam and Jill, okay. They started dating long distance after meeting at summer conference. Shameless plug for summer conference, by the way. Okay. Uh, he went to UT. She went to Alabama. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Y'all are hilarious. Uh, but, like, things, things were going great, right? But Sam, uh, in, like, a couple months of them dating, he gets a phone call from Jill. And Jill tells Sam that she's actually been asked out by another guy in NRUF a couple months into their dating relationship. And there's kind of a long pause on the other end of the line. And Sam replies and says, well, like Jill, you're not tied down to me. I have no claim over you. If this guy can love you and serve you and meet your needs better than me, I want that for you. Say yes if you want. He hung up the phone. I'm sure he was in a panic. But, like, so, so she went on the date, right? And the date went really well. And the guy asked her out again, and Jill said no. Why? Because she wanted to be with Sam. She saw Sam's maturity, his security, his care for her, and not himself. And now they're married with a couple of kids. Seriously. Like, that sounds crazy, right? But, but what a non-selfish way to date. Seriously. Like, he just wanted to get to know her, not own her. And she realized, that's what I want. See, we not only date patiently, kindly, selflessly, but we date truthfully. In verse 6, Paul tells us that love rejoices in truth. Love is based on truth. It takes no joy in evil. It actually delights in truth. And for dating, what does that mean? Right? We, we must enter dating knowing and continually reminding ourselves the truth about who we are in Jesus. Right? I'm convinced we enter dating so fearfully and, forgive me, reactively and adding pressure to it because in the midst of it, we forget who we are in Christ. There's a reason why so much joy is robbed from our dating relationships. That to date with truth means that no matter how this turns out, I still belong body and soul to Jesus Christ. That if I am loved by Christ, that can never be lost. <laughs> even if this relationship ends up in a breakup, even if it's embarrassing, even if I don't get what I'm looking for. And this pushes back on one major idol for for really all of us, if we're honest, is that when we forget this truth, we, that's when we're actually quickly too, we're idolizing marriage. Right? Because if Christ is our end-all, be-all, then earthly marriage is not. Meaning we're not crushed if we aren't married in a certain time frame. My life is not dependent on it. An earthly marriage cannot sustain my joy and my hope. It just won't. You'll learn that when you get married, okay? Well, what's interesting is that the permanent and temporary structure principle also applies to my earthly marriage alongside my heavenly marriage to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That if I try and make Alex supply the joy and the hope and the security that only Jesus was meant to supply, then I will crush her even in our marriage and as my spouse. 
Because ultimately, our earthly marriage is, is temporary in comparison to the permanent, eternal marriage with Jesus, our bridegroom. The pressure of our dating comes, will come down when we live out of the truth of the eternal marriage we already have in Jesus. Let me say that again. The pressure of our dating relationships will lessen, will be relieved when we live out of the truth of the eternal marriage we already have in Jesus. And because of this, we date with boldness. And I'm also going to add forgiveness, okay? Here's my last point. We date with forgiveness and boldness, okay? Right, I think forgiveness still applies in verse 7 here, that love, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Right, we date patiently and kindly and selflessly and truthfully, and because of that, we have the freedom to date in forgiveness and boldness. Two things that can coexist. And just hear me say, like, you're going to make mistakes in your dating relationship. It's going to happen, right? You're not going to date perfectly. There is not a perfect way to date, because guess what? There is no one that is perfect. Right? I said this in our friendship sermon, that being a friend means forgiveness. Well, dating a friend means forgiveness. And this doesn't mean that we stop looking for unhealthy patterns or foundational differences or listening to others around us, nor does it mean that we create excuses, but inevitably, there are going to be times when you are too possessive. There are going to be times when you're too demanding. There are going to be times that you go too far physically. Seek to fight those things, but when you do fail in those times, you're called to repent, to turn from sin, to turn back to Jesus, receive His grace again and following Him. And yes, in wisdom, extending grace to one another, just like any other friendship. And I really do think that this type of dating produces an unwavering boldness. Because if the gospel is true, then boldness should follow in our dating. And actually, the risk is worth it. C.S. Lewis, his famous quote from Mere Christianity says this, To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies, with little luxuries, avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. See, dating with the love of Christ means that you can date boldly. <laughs> like, guys, <laughs> if the fear of rejection is holding you back, I know it's scary, okay? But you have the freedom to ask her out because the gospel is true. <laughs> no matter her answer, it won't crush you. It won't kill you. It may hurt, but that rejection does not rule you. You'll never know until you ask. <laughs> and girls, you have the absolute freedom to be honest and clear, and say yes or say no, okay? And both of you have the freedom to move forward in respecting each other, no matter the outcome. These principles are hard, okay? Like, we just walk, walk through a list of principles in the day. That's a lot. Because what, what do they require of us? They require us to deny ourselves, to be thoughtful, and to use wisdom in a relationship that is 
not clearly defined and you won't achieve these perfectly. But what brings freedom and relieves the pressure in dating is actually recognizing each day that Paul is not only showing us how we are to love, but how that all of us are already loved. Some of you may have heard this. I may have used this before at some point. I know that I used it in Freshman Fellowship at some point. But right there, there's a story of a husband and a wife who got married. Okay, A few years into their marriage, uh, finally the wife came into her pastor's office one day, and she just started weeping. And she told the pastor that she had never told her husband that while they were engaged, she slept with another man. And after a lot of tears, the pastor said, look, you have to tell your husband. And so she got up the nerves that evening. She went home. She made her husband's nicest meal for him. She set out a candlelight dinner. And the husband got home, and he sits down. And they can't even get to their food before she just blurts it out and tells him. And the husband sits there in silence for a second, and he pushes back his chair, and he just marches out the door. And, like, at that moment, her life is over. Right, her marriage is over. She's a basket case. Like, like this is the end. And about an hour of agony passes by, and she hears the door to the to the the front door open, and it's her husband who walks in with a box. And he comes by and he picks her up and he takes her back to their bedroom, and he hands her the box. And he says, "Would you open it?" And she opens it, and he pulls out a white robe, and he undresses his wife, and he puts the robe around her. And he says, put this on, that whenever you step into this bedroom, let it remind you that you are pure, wrapped in the robes of righteousness. Do you think she loved her husband more or less after that? If you think that story is crazy, or if there's no way that happened, or that's too good to be true, it does not even come close in comparing to what God has done for you in Christ. That's true. That's what we believe tonight as Christians. That's the gospel. A Lord who has been so patient with His sinful people. A King who has extended His kindness toward a people who never wanted it. A Lamb who silently and selflessly went to the cross. A Messiah who is the way, the truth, and the life. A bold bridegroom who never takes His eyes off of His beloved bride. That's what we believe. We were made to love and to be loved in Him. It is only then, it's only when we believe this, which actually begins to free us and lift the pressure each day in our dating relationships. At URUF, dating is just another opportunity to look to a friend and live out the love of Christ for one another. Date out of that freedom. That's an invitation. Let's pray. For you tell us that love is patient and kind, but it does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Would you help us to believe tonight? But that love is truth applied by your Holy Spirit through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus. We admit tonight that we are helpless in our dating relationships. 
Would you help us to believe and stand in the firm foundation of your love? It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If you're interested in joining us for a large group, we would love to see you at All Faiths Chapel on the north side of campus across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events we're putting on. We hope to see you around. Thanks and gig em.